Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and back with me, uh, the one, the only, Mr. Agshaz Devadula. Agshaz, man, how's it going? How how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling great, actually. My voice <laughs> is a little hoarse because I was at the game yesterday, and uh, oh yeah, it was one of those... It was one of those electric environments, you know, with Brock and Tom Brady. The stadium was really into it. It was a lot of fun. So awesome. I, I'm excited. I'm a little confused, <laughs> but I think that's been a common trend on this podcast yeah. now. Yeah. Don't really know what's going on. We just go with the flow. I, I think that's a, the absolute correct way to, to handle it, right? Um, well, that's cool. I'm glad you got to, to go to the game um, and experience that fun and exciting atmosphere. I think my favorite, it's it's funny that you're um, that you say that because it reminds me all that they were talking about how Brock Purdy's family was there um, pre like leading up to the game, the conversation was was that he was there. But apparently they had already planned on being there for that game because it was like, you know, Brady and they were they're you know, they're checking through like all the games on the schedule, like, oh, that'd be kind of that'd be a cool game to go to. And then it turns out that they were also there for for Brock's NFL start debut start. So I thought that was pretty cool um, that they didn't have to make a special trip. It's just like, oh, OK, well, now he's now he's playing in the game. So extra, extra cool thing. Um, I hope they worked out like some better seats for them once they found out he was playing. <laughs> I'd like to think that they were not planning on putting Brock Purdy's family in the, you know, basically the front row right there um, previous to that. But maybe they work something out for it to to kind of get them better, a better seating situation uh, as the starting quarterback. I have no idea. No, I mean, that's incredible luck for them that it all kind of worked out. And when Brock threw, I think that touchdown to McCaffrey, and the stadium started chanting Purdy, Purdy. <laughs> and I saw a video afterwards of Brock's dad, you know, tearing up, hearing yeah. everyone just cheer for his son. If I think I think I saw this on Twitter. I can't remember who said, I think it was Al Sacco. He might have mentioned that there's this weird like absurdity to just Brock Purdy playing so well. <laughs> and for like a fan base and a team that's had constant quarterback questions since like last year ended over who's going to start. Is it going to be Lance or Garoppolo? Like what's going on to get now? Just, you know, Oh, Brock Purdy. 
Yeah. It's like, you know, some okay, people, we're all we're all good with Brock Purdy. Yeah. Everybody. It's, it's, I mean, some people obviously are trying to make it a comparison, but really right. it's like like it's a he's Mr. Irrelevant. Speaking of which, I want to do this plug because I I can. I wrote an okay. article way back in the draft about how Brock Purdy was in fact going to be very relevant to the 49ers. Did I predict he would throw for three, two touchdowns and rush for another against Tom Brady? No. no. But no. what did I say? Who knows? You just got to find out if you oh. go to Niner Noise and take a read. <laughs> well done. Well done. That was good. Real good work there. Um, yeah. I mean, who 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 would have thought? Um, I mean, I, I mean, I think you could probably like trace the the origins of the whole thing. I mean, obviously the Niners felt comfortable enough keeping him on the roster, even though they, they gave, you know, we made a a pretty big deal about, um, you know, Nate Sudfeld and how they were like, Oh, they guaranteed him a pretty decent chunk of money in the off season. And, you know, he's definitely going to be the third quarterback or the backup quarterback, however it ended up being. And, I mean, it's it's pretty clear. I think that even if 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 Garoppolo had gone, that I I feel like Purdy would have been the backup quarterback. I don't think there's any question about that. I, I think it's pretty clear um, that they decided even before Garoppolo decided to stick around and to to readjust his his salary and all that stuff that they were going to roll with the with the kids, right? <laughs> that it was going to be Lance and Purdy as their quarterbacks and it just so happened that it didn't work out that way. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously they found something they liked about him. And and I think through two games, he's shown that, that, you know, there's a fair amount to like, you know, we talked about this last week that there's, it's not all, um, it's not all pretty all the time, but and then occasionally he'll do something crazy and you're like, what, how, what? Okay. <laughs> and you know, so it's, it's exciting. It's, it's fun to, fun to watch and fun to experience, uh, the what may be you know we don't want to get crazy with this and get the overreactions you know all these people who are like oh let's just let's just trade lance and, and roll with purdy i'm like really like come on now um like first of all slow down um <laughs> it's been two games uh we've been down this road before with with other players of his you know of his uh caliber in his uh situation and it didn't work out so let's let's just let's just pause um and, you know they'd spent too much draft capital and and investing in trey lance he's going to get every chance that he can to to be the quarterback for this team but it is good to know um especially with this organization of late um that you got a capable guy back there right that you feel pretty confident that that the the player who is your number two can keep the train rolling, so to speak, uh, once he comes out. Now, it will be very interesting to see if it is, in fact, Lance and Purdy next year as a 1-2. Because one thing that we noted with the move from Garoppolo to Purdy is that the way that they were situating the playbook with Garoppolo, the move to Purdy was not a massive difference. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case with the move from Lance to Purdy. So I think there will be some adjustment there to be made. Um, if there is a situation where they ever have to make that move, but obviously you're hoping that it's Lance is the guy. And, uh, frankly, <laughs> if that's the case, um, and I mean, no, no disrespect to Brock Purdy when I say that, um, uh, we're 
I think most of the rational fan base is hoping that after this year, we don't ever see him play any meaningful football ever again for the team. And that, again, I don't mean that in a cruel way. It's just, that's how that works. You know, I've been, I've been thinking about this a little bit just because there were some throws against Tampa Bay and we, this helps us kind of, I guess, segue into talking about the game itself that Purdy made that I don't think I've seen a 49ers quarterback make, and this may sound like an exaggeration, but I honestly don't think it is, since Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Like, that his touchdown pass to McCaffrey might be the best throw a 49ers QB had made in a long while. And I just think there's a fascinating... I think out of all the teams in the league... The 49ers are the most willing to just cut bait with high-value players, like players who have drafted highly. I mean, with Solomon Thomas, by the time 2019 came around, they, like, intentionally just didn't play him in his, like, correct position anymore because they were like, we have Buckner and Armstead. It's like, we're not going to just give you, like, this role anymore. You have to have Mm -hmm. earned it. And I think... It's insane to think about, and it's not really worth discussing just because there's no clue. Is this Brock Purdy? Is this just the Nick Mullins flash? Is there something really there? Is there something in between? Who knows? But Tampa is a pretty good defense that he carved up for a half before basically calling it quits on a like strained oblique too. Mm -hmm. And I just think the 49ers have always been willing to give like opportunities to players who otherwise probably wouldn't get them on other NFL rosters. And who knows basically when next year comes around, I think, and I was thinking about this too, Trey Lance can in theory do everything for you, right? Like the difference between, and this is like super outlandish, wild comparisons. I'm not <laughs> saying either quarterback is going to be like either of these guys. But the difference between a Patrick Mahomes and like a Joe Burrow, for example, to me, is that in theory, if Patrick Mahomes wanted to, he could process, he could like learn the game to the extent Joe Burrow did. Maybe like some part of like processing is innate, but he could be like as accurate and decisive as Burrow is in the pocket not saying that he isn't already. So he could be what Joe Burrow is, but Joe Burrow will never like be able to do some of the stuff Patrick Mahomes does. That's just like, and it's, it's a similar kind of situation with Lance and Purdy, I think, where in theory, if Lance develops the way the 49ers obviously hoped he would, and may still hope he does, he could in theory be able to do what it is that Purdy does while still being able to doing to do things Purdy wouldn't be able to do. But who knows if that'll ever happen. And in the meantime, I mean, Purdy, Jesus, some of those <laughs> throws, some of the plays he was making where he just knows where the football should go. And he knows it in a way that – and this is – I'm rambling a little bit, I think, on this quarterback <laughs> comparison because – we saw Jimmy Garoppolo play arguably the best football he's ever played like in his career up until his injury. And it was really quite good. There were a couple of like issues, but he was efficient and clean and Brock Purdy in the like 
basically two games he's played since taking over for Garoppolo has already, to me, in just these two games at least, looks better than Garoppolo ever has as a 49er. In terms of what he can do and like, and what he does do and what he can do, I think he's already past Garoppolo's ability in that regard, which is an insane thing to say and might be a little in the moment. <laughs> but if, right. if you're like rookie third string quarterback is doing that, playing only like two games, has barely like seen, you know, NFL snaps, hasn't had a chance to like really get into the, like the rhythm of it all that just comes with like reps at the highest level. That's a crazy proposition. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions that they'll have, and we'll talk about them, of course, as the offseason goes on. And who knows, most likely it'll be a happy, happy decision to make whether or not Brock Purdy or Trey Lance should lead your team. Because if that's the question you're asking, it means both of them are capable of doing it. But what this really shows to me is that you should always draft a quarterback every year because you never know when you're going to hit. So just spend a seventh-round pick on a quarterback. Worst case, you cut the guy. That's what happens with seventh-round picks. Best case, you get Brock Purdy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're definitely going to find out a lot about a lot more about what this kid is made of over the next couple of weeks when the, the pressure really gets ratcheted up, right? Um, you know, the Niners have a chance to, to clinch the division on Thursday night against the Seahawks in a place that they have, generally speaking, struggled to play, right? Um, it's only in the last couple of years that they've been able to sort of exercise those demons a little bit. Um, and then the last three games of the year will be all about figuring out where they can get, what heights they can get to in terms of seeding. Um, you know, they'll play the Commanders and then uh, the Raiders and then uh, the Cardinals, um, who, uh, as of this moment, uh, no, just speculating based on some things that I'm seeing, but it looks like there's a pretty there's a a, a, a decent chance that they may be without Kyler Murray again um, as he got hurt uh, as we're recording this on Monday night during the the Monday night football game against the Patriots. Um, so we'll see how that goes um, and what that situation will be. So um, yeah, the pressure will get ramped up and we'll see whether or not it kind of rolls off his back and whether or not the poise continues to be there because it's certainly there. Uh, now um, and I think that will that will have a lot of a pretty major impact on how successful he can be but um, let's uh, let's sort of <clears throat> use that as a transition into talking more specifically about the game I do want to say right off the bat um, before we get into anything else um, well because we'll the way we're going to do this uh, is kind of we'll talk a little bit about um, the game on um uh, from from Sunday as we usually do, but obviously we got a shorter week, so we're gonna try to get into uh, the Seattle game a little bit, and uh, we may have to. Uh, so you may be hearing this in two at one time or at two different times, depending on how this how this sort of ends up. But um, right off the bat, want to just obviously at this point, you everyone knows uh, Devo Samuel uh, seems to be okay, right? Um, so they're saying sprained ankle, sprained MCL. Um, somewhere in a two to four week range is what is the things that I've seen in terms of his avail availability um, for uh, the uh, the rest of the year. Um, I think most of most people are sort of circling in pencil the Raiders game, which is um, obviously roughly three weeks from now. It's on January first. 
um, as, as a game that he could be ready to go um, <clears throat> to, to come back. Frankly, uh, when I when I saw it happen uh, while well, I was I didn't get to watch the game live. I was rewatching it um, this afternoon and I was like, oh, that just looks ugly. Like, I don't know how he didn't break every bone and every ligament in his leg like that looked real, real, real bad. Um, and so uh, <laughs> good news that he will be uh, not it's, you know, obviously they'll miss him on Thursday night and miss him. Uh, more than likely against uh, the commanders in their their tough d- defense, um, but to have him back for the stretch run and get him into the playoffs would be fantastic. Especially when I, I know probably everybody in that building and everybody every 49er fan everywhere was like, "Oh, great, he's done. Like he's done for the year." Which means this juncture, you start thinking about at this point in the year, you start thinking, okay, well, he's done for the rest of this year, but he's also maybe going to miss most of the next season because of some long-term injury. So that's super, super good news from a 49ers standpoint, for sure. Yeah, I mean, when we were in the stadium and we saw him get rolled up, the entire energy was taken out, and it was, you couldn't help but, like, think the worst. Whenever someone's, like, leg gets folded like that, immediately... I think everyone's mind goes to the worst case scenario. It's it's almost a miracle that he has basically avoided any major injuries. And it's a it's a fascinating situation for the 49ers because Debo Samuel, if they go on the Cinderella run this year, Debo Samuel will be a huge reason why. But let's say hypothetically they beat Seattle this week and have clinched the division you have to really balance do you like when do you give him like time to really recover come back 100 mm-hmm. percent? how do we try to like play these games to secure the two seed perhaps get as close yeah. to home field advantage as we can it's just it's a lot of questions that like arise but the biggest thing is that Debo is healthy and that means that the 49ers season continues to survive Despite all the <laughs> all the injuries, all the setbacks, somehow they can still chug along. It's pretty incredible, pretty incredible for sure. But um, we'll talk more about some other injuries uh, when we get into the the Seattle game a little bit. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm right there with you in terms of like it's a weird place to be, especially with the amount of games that they have left in the year. So much depends on what happens on Thursday night. If they win that game, they they win the division, they clinch the division. And then you really probably have to start thinking, okay, what's the prognosis really? How long is he actually going to, does he actually need to get like fully back up to, uh, to health? And then certainly whatever happens to the Vikings on Saturday, because the Niners play on Thursday, uh, the Vikings play the Colts on Saturday afternoon, I think uh, maybe Saturday evening. If they lose that game to the Colts, let's just say, um, and suddenly both teams are 10 and four and the Niners would get pushed up into the, the 10 seed um, or the second seed, sorry, by, uh, by, by the tiebreaker at that point. Then I think you have to seriously think about, okay, we have to manage both things at the same time, right? You have to be able to, to think about how do we keep as much, as many of our players healthy as possible and especially focusing on Debo. Um, but I think you got to go for that two seed if you can and try to get the best possible positioning you can for the playoffs. 
put yourself in as many home games as possible, especially the way they've played at home this season. I think they're what six and one uh, at home this year. So yeah, I, I think you got to use that to your advantage for sure. But um, all right, so let's um, let's talk more about this game specifically because man, it was <laughs> I can't imagine how much fun it was be uh, to be at this game because it was just crazy. I was sort of uh, while. Uh, I was doing the other things that I that I had going on that afternoon. I was sort of I was just checking in on the game, and every time every time it looked like I looked, I was like, "Oh, they scored! Oh, oh, they scored again! Oh, okay, more touchdowns! Like, great, this is all awesome." Um, so um, let's let's start with you, Akshaz. Uh, if you're you're up, you're the thing that you liked uh, most uh, from the game on Sunday. Okay, so the answer is Brock Purdy, but I'm not going to say that because that just goes without saying. (laughs) So I'm going to say I really liked something that we talked about a lot in our like pregame, what is important, what we think the Niners can take advantage of. It was just the rushing attack. It was exactly what the doctor ordered, and the efficiency by which the 49ers ran underground was incredible. So Christian McCaffrey, 14 carries for 119 yards. Jordan Mason, 11 carries for 56 yards. Devo Samuel, four carries for 21 yards. That's absurd efficiency. The 49ers had 209 yards on just 36 carries, and they got three touchdowns. Brock Purdy had a rushing touchdown. Debo had a reverse touchdown. CMC had a touchdown. And this type of efficiency is super important because Brock Purdy made some terrific throws, but he was, I believe two for three in the second half for zero yards <laughs> that's <And> nuts <laughs> now he didn't play like half of the basically the he didn't entire play all fourth, the fourth quarter, quarter i don't exactly. think exactly but the fact that that could be like a stat line that exists and the 49ers win is because a rushing attack that now notably the buccaneers did not have vita vea and that changes everything for them up front but still, you got to take advantage of your matchups. And by God, the 49ers were running roughshod over the Bucks. That was the entire energy of the game was one where basically by the time the first quarter had ended, the 49ers felt like they had won the game. And it was just like continuing yeah. to pile on. And that came from this rushing attack. Christian McCaffrey probably had his best game or second best game as a 49er completely changed the energy of the offense. Jordan Mason has been superb. And, and you know, in January football, this is the type of, like, formula I think the 49ers want to take four times all the way to the Super Bowl. Just run for 200 yards, efficient and effective quarterback play. Defense smothers the opposing offense. They're basically, they're unstoppable to beat if their rushing attack can go like this. We've seen it happen in yeah. 2019 against the Packers. This is just, this is 49ers football. And I think for the first time this year, we really, really like truly saw it work all like c- cylinders firing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, I actually wrote down in my notes here. I said, is this Christian McCaffrey's most efficient game as a 49er? Um, Cause I think you could probably make the argument that the Rams game, you know, where you you know, ran for a touchdown, caught a touchdown, threw a touchdown. Could have been his most, like, his best and special, certainly his flashiest game. Um, but in terms of, like, efficiency, this this feels like the first time since he's been here where he's really gotten 
the running his the running attack from him has been like really good um because a lot of his numbers so far have been you know it's been decent right as a runner as a running back um but it's been more of like what kind of dual threat player is he but this is the first time i feel like he's been like the running back you know he only carried the ball 14 times but he had 119 yards and so that's that's ridiculously efficient obviously um uh and so that, i think that's that's definitely notable um the the other two for me that i wanted to to point out specifically two guys on defense obviously you could talk about pretty much every member of the defense and something that they did um jimmy ward was f- just flying all over the place um just doing a little bit of everything i uh, had 10 tackles um he had a, a quarterback hit which I think that uh, Tom Brady owes Leonard Fournette some something, you know, many steak dinners because Jimmy Ward was going to lay him flat on the ground um, without any question. Forced a forced the fumble, obviously, late in the game, um, had a a pass defense. Um, He was he was flying around all over the place. Kind of a weird, interesting role for him in in the sort of nickelback kind of a safety hybrid. But he was asked to do a lot of things um on and on sunday and, and did them all really well and and then of course the, the other name on defense of of high note is drake greenlaw who had just just like a game for the ages like like pay attention to me 15 tackles on the day um a and then like one of the coolest interceptions I've ever seen, like <laughs> uh, cool on so many different levels, like one to have the wherewithal to be like, I can't catch this ball in the air, but if I kind of knock it down, I bet you I can catch it on the way down. And then on top of everything else, Brady had no idea what was going on. Cause he was flat on his back. Um, and just an absolute, just crazy game. Uh, you know, we talked about in the pregame that one of the things the Niners are going to have to do to keep things, that they were going to have to do is that their defense is probably going to be able to hold up pretty well with the, with the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers just didn't turn the ball over very much. Um, well, they had three turnovers on, on Sunday and that was a, a pretty major difference in the game. I, I, I think it's fair to say, because in both of those moments, it kind of looked like, like the Buccaneers were, were getting up maybe a foothold. Like maybe they were starting to, to make something happen. You know, the first one, um, was that the Deshaun Gibson one? I think, uh, in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. Uh, they had just had a really long kickoff return to start the, start the drive. Um, and then they had it third and five and Brady just sailed it to Mike Evans, which feels like it would be very hard to do. Um, cause he's very tall and then Sean Gibson just, uh, just took it out of the air and it's just a rare thing, um, in that case. And I, I just wanted to point out green law specifically in that particular case. And then also, <laughs> <laughs> the whole situation where uh, he got Brady to sign the the ball for him, which I think it's hilarious as well. So, um, kudos to to Dre Greenlaw, who is just a testament to this organization and the fact that they finally. I remember I wrote the the draft piece on him uh, when they when they took him out of Arkansas in the fifth round. It was like, oh, you know, he might be a cool depth guy, you know, special teams player, but he has really 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 done the work and this is like this is the best linebacking tandem in the nfl and i'm not sure that's particularly close elsewhere uh so that's 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 my up for sure yeah i mean 
Well, I there's so much there's so many ups from this game. I actually don't know. I guess we'll find out what downs we could potentially have because yeah, I, um, I everything question mark like <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's so rare. It's in, it's in play. I think I think I told you this too after the game. I've never seen a game where they were so dominant so early and so thoroughly it felt over by like like legitimately over by the middle of the second quarter like the entire game felt like yeah, a waste I mean, once of time. it gets up 21 nothing it's like and it, it wasn't just 21 nothing it was the sheer like brutality of it in a way it felt like everything they were doing was perfect and they it just felt like the buccaneers had no recourse at all so i mean to the two players you pointed out, I thought Jimmy Ward played incredible, and Dre Greenlaw has been on another level. I will admit, I was not 100% convinced he was the right linebacker to give an extension to between him and Aziz Alzheimer. But and this is nothing against Aziz, who has also played really, really well. Greenlaw has taken another step I didn't think was possible. And even though I think, without question, Fred Warner is probably the better of the two, and I don't think anyone would disagree with that, his play is directly like leading to wins for the 49ers. And it's just, it's incredible how they've just slowly and surely built up some of the best like units the NFL has. Yeah, Ed, you're absolutely right. All right, so um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, we could we could really. I I I'll admit before I before I even ask you what your down would be for this. I had to I had to get in a nitpicking zone a little bit. Um, so I don't know if you have any if anything pops in your head and you're like, oh well, we could talk about this because there there are two like kind of nitpicky things that 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 pop into my head as I was watching the game. I was like, that could be worth noting, but it's not like they're not like major things, but it's just. Yeah, for the sake of of the continuity of of the up and down segment, <laughs> I don't know what thoughts you had. Yeah, um, no, it's difficult. I'll I'm gonna say a down that's only very minorly a down. So that's special teams, and I say this, but I think Ray Ray McLeod also had his best game as a returner, and his yeah, addition has been so vital to the team. But there was that one return that the Buccaneers had, I think, to start off the second half. The third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, like, come on, guys, clean it up. We don't need that. That was it. I I actually can't really think of anything else. I was going to say I thought the run defense was a little on the poorest side, but, I mean, 3.6 yards per carry, that's, (laughs) that's really good. The pass yeah, their team. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say their 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 season total went up to three point four yards per carry allowed, so. which is just horrible. <laughs> it went up a whole tenth of a yard. <laughs> so real, I I have nothing. I yeah, maybe yeah. there was a little. I guess because the thing is, I can point to like moments and drives. Or like drives where I thought, okay, this is a little weird. Or this is a little yeah. concerning. But every other drive, they figured it out. There was nothing that was like a common thread to me where I could say, all right, we're having like a problem with 
you know, stopping the run. You could have a drive where they weren't great against the run, but then they'd clear it up, and then the next drive, Fournette gets no yards. So, I don't know. Special teams, I guess, yeah. maybe. Yeah. So, and, and and I'm with you on Ray McLeod. Ray McLeod, I thought he was really useful, um, and he, he almost broke one uh, late in the second half, which I think would have been really awesome. But um, to me, again, kind of nitpicking. It's just two things, um, two kind of fortunate moments that you know, if they had gone the other way, might have turned this game in a slight, in a completely different direction. Uh, the one is the the long touchdown to Mike Evans that got called back for a holding penalty. Um, it didn't look particularly good to me the way that 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 came to be. Obviously, he was standing there wide open, so there was clearly a a coverage bust, and you, you don't want to put yourself in that situation um, because at that point it would have been seven seven, and then the whole game is completely uh, changed. I think from that point on, so that was fortunate and something you're like, okay, well, let's not do that again. Um, but as you say, I don't think it's like indicative of any like massive problems. Obviously, this is still a a top unit <laughs> defensively against the pass and against the run. So that was just sort of a one-time mix up, but certainly not the kind of mix up you want to have. And then the other one is the, the, the would be interception that Purdy threw that also got called back for a penalty on the, on the Buccaneers. And the only reason that I mention it is because it, it had a little bit of a shade of like, of the, the, the one that we give Garoppolo uh, junk for all the time right the the whole like how did you not see that man standing right there and you threw it directly to him underneath kind of thing um it's like the invisible linebacker who suddenly appears and intercepts the ball and we're all like but he was standing there the whole time um so it felt i don't know how it felt to you but it felt a little bit like that to me where it's like oh brock did you not see that large man standing right there um so you gotta chalk that up to a to a, a rookie mistake for it to a certain extent but it is certainly like i don't know it was giving me a little bit of a of of ptsd in that in that area so i was a little concerned because those are the things that he can't do right if we're gonna if they're gonna continue to to press forward in this so um that that worried me a little bit because those are two situations where you're like, okay, let's not, let's not do that anymore. Um, and they were fortunate enough to have both those situations, you know, kind of turned it back in their favor. And then of course the very next play, there's a touchdown. So it, it really worked out in that case. Um, but something to sort of watch out for, like, is he going to process that and go, okay, that's the thing I don't, if I see that again, I'm going to do it differently next time. So that would be my only thing. Those are both, perfect i think those were the two like worst plays of the game and the fact that they were called back is why the 49ers won 35 7 and we're talking about how incredible the win was the long touchdown to evans on the coverage bus i think hufanga just miss tried to change the coverage scheme and no one heard him so it was on him that was bad that's kind of an issue it seems hufanga has been a little off he makes up for it in so many other ways but you know he's still like struggling a little bit with some of this coverage stuff and his responsibilities he's also a young player so he goes out of it and purdy's interception was terrible i think i haven't been able to like look at the play in great depth but from what i can remember i think carl nasib dropped so he's normally a defensive lineman but he dropped in coverage 
and basic pretty just never saw him when he threw it. So a little bit of a disguise completely worked against a rookie QB and lived basically lived to fight another day. Then on the very next play, there was an absolute bullet that's a little underthrown, but great play design and throw by Purdy on Ayuk doing a stop and go route. Purdy pumps at the stop. Ayuk gets behind everyone. And I mean, everything went right for the 49ers against the Bucks. Even when it went wrong, it still turned out to go right. Minus injuries, because of course, minus yeah. injuries. And I think always, 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 but I think, you know, like you mentioned, and like, I think we talked about earlier in the pregame for the Bucks game, Purdy is a rookie. He's going to make like rookie mistakes are things that will happen. And luckily, you know, the fact that it didn't hurt the Niners is a really big deal. And you just have to like live with it sometimes. Sometimes that's going to be what goes on. So I think the fact that we have to explicitly say, oh, you know, that one like return back that went up to the 50 or that one like coverage bust that got called back or that one interception that got called back. That's just a testament to how well the 49ers played. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for for sure. Um, I, I think that's that's definitely worth noting. And I, you know, I think the interception would have been less painful than if that had stayed, then the then the touchdown would have because the touchdown was so early in the game that it would have definitely changed the face of the whole thing. The interception came late enough that you know may, who knows if the Bucks are able to do anything with that, and you're you're still feeling pretty good because it's still twenty one nothing heading into halftime more than likely. Um, maybe it's twenty one three. Maybe they get a touchdown. I don't know, but um, certainly something for him to 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 be um, be mindful of next time. So Brock, just just watch when you throw the ball. Um, and we'll we'll be okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, Ox has any final comments on this uh, Buccaneers game before we uh, transition into the the next one? I think it's worth noting that the Buccaneers had Tristan Wirfs out, both their starting safeties out, Vita Vea out. Like it was a dominant door to door like victory for the 49ers, wire to wire. And it's exactly what you wanted them to do. But I don't think this, like, I don't necessarily think this is the game the f- people should look at and be like, oh, yeah, they're legit. Like, they'll win the Super Bowl off of this. Because in theory, <laughs> if the 49ers play Tampa in the playoffs, they're not playing this Tampa team. They're going to play a Tampa team that can, like, actually stop pass rushers and actually stop the run sometimes. So, just a little, I guess, caution in coronating the 49ers off this win. This was a team that the 49ers should have beaten as well as they did. And they did. And the way they did it, obviously, is something exciting. And we should all be very excited about that. But, you know, whole lot of season left. More importantly, big game on Thursday. And I think just trying to see the progression go and see the team constantly do things like the right way and they're constantly getting better. I feel like that's a way bigger indication than anything. So just, I guess just like, I don't know if this game tells us anything that we didn't already know beyond the fact that Brock Purdy might be pretty good at football. Yeah, that, that'd be good. 
be good. Well, cool. Um, well, I think that's a good uh, place to to wrap up this conversation on the um, on the Buccaneers game. Exciting, exciting game, and looking forward to seeing what comes next for the 49ers, um, which, of course, the the most uh, glaring and upfront thing is, of course, a matchup with their old rivals, the Seattle Seahawks, on Thursday night. Um, so we'll be getting into that next time. Um, and so that's where we will take it from here. Uh, as we wrap up this episode, as we always, uh, we want to uh, thank you all for listening uh, to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Please uh, continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.